TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of it. Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, that I, blew I, me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 582, and I'm Libby, your host, and this week we have returning guests. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. Hi, this is Tom. I chair the communication department at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Six Degrees of Geek. All right, Tom, hit us with the news. What you got? Uh, Amazon has announced that Laura Benanti is leaving the Cruel Intentions adaptation. She was supposed to play one of the moms on that. Uh, BBC has announced that Lenny Rush from I Am Unreasonable will play Morris on the upcoming season of Doctor Who with Shruti Gatwa. CW, lots of news. Gotham Knights has been canceled. Walker Independence has not found a new home. All-American Homecoming has been picked up for season three. Good news, bad news, good news for Superman and Lois. Good news, season four pickup of 10 episodes. Bad news, seven regulars have been cut. Wait, how many regulars do they have? Well, if your last name isn't Kent, you're not in the cast anymore. Uh, Well, you're not a regular. You're not a regular. Okay. So that's Sam Lane, Lana, Kyle, and Sarah Cushing, which should make Libya happy. Uh, Makes me very happy. Chrissy Beppo, John Henry, and Natalie Irons. Boo! Good news. Michael Cudlitz will become a series lead for season four. He will be introduced as Lex Luthor in the season finale. And now he has to shave his head. Not necessarily. This is TV, man. Um, and in some interesting news, the, the CW is going to broadcast The Chosen, the... Uh, the independently financed or the crowdsourced Bible series. I want to know, are they going to do F boy Island ads during or after the chosen (laughs) Uh, HBO canceled Perry Mason after two seasons. Yeah, I wasn't watching that, Uh, but I know a lot of people working on that. So I actually do feel slightly. The second season actually got to be very good. The first season was kind of dodgy, but it really found its, its voice in the second season. And it's How a real shame that they that killed H- it. HBO is making rational decisions now that uh, Warner Brothers Discovery is in the steering wheel. Yeah. Uh, NBC has canceled American Auto, Grand Auto, and Young Rock, to no one's surprise. This is crazy news. Allison, you might appreciate this. Wild Kingdom is returning to NBC oh after God. a more than 30-year absence and more than 60 years after it first debuted. Can, can, can we, wild. do we show something? We, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Wild Kingdom was a, uh, a nature series hosted by Marlon Perkins, but it used to air before mm-hmm. the wonderful world of Disney back in the sixties. I still remember the theme song too. <laughs> I feel sorry for poor Jim because Marlon Perkins is safe and sound and poor Jim is doing all the heavy lifting. <laughs> Uh, Netflix has announced that Linda Hamilton will be joining Stranger Things 5. They've also greenlit Extraction 3, and XO Kitty, the To All the Boys spinoff, has been picked up for season 21. I will have to say, I just started watching Extraction 2, and after mindless violence for about a half an hour or so, I was just like, okay, and I just turned it off. (laughs) There's no plot! There's no plot! It's just... It's Chris Shooting Hemsworth, Hemsworth being buff, doing guy things. Oh, speaking of bad decisions from Warner Brothers Discovery, Max picked up Velma for season two. Oh, my God. That show's terrible. Which makes me wonder, does Mindy Kaling have naked pictures of Discovery? <laughs> um, <laughs> the Knuckles animated series has added five to the voice cast. The ones we really care about are, care about are Christopher Lloyd and Carrie Elway's. Peacock is stopping its free ride for Xfinity customers effective June 26, which translates... Who's who's stopping its free ride? Who? Peacock is stopping the free ride for Xfinity customers, which means, bye! I'm not paying for that. Uh, Showtimes has announced Billions will end with Season 7, and they're preparing possible spinoffs, Millions and Trillions. 
and they canceled I Love That For You after one season. That's it. That's a lot of news considering like nobody's shooting or doing anything. <laughs> yes, uh, so that that is a lot of news. All right. Uh let's move on and let's start talking the shows. First up, we're going to talk White House Plumbers, which I know you guys are like, didn't that show already almost end or it's ending? We just what happened is there's a, a lull in television, so we have time to watch shows that we haven't checked out before. So I was skimming through and decided to hit play. I think actually what really happened was I saw an article or something about this and it made me want to watch the White House Plumbers is really what happened. And then I made other people do it and follow me. So we're going to talk about the first uh, episode. Is that it? Tom, you're the only one who watched the first episode, right? No, I, I watched the first two. I watched okay, cool. Only a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, generally speaking, I know the basic facts of the case. So it's not like all of this was new, but what surprised me the most was how dumb these guys are. Like, I, what, like, it's so shocking. You start the episode, the first episode starts off and you see them breaking into the, the DNC and there, there's like five guys, yes, trying to. And the five guys are stumped because one of the guys can't jimmy a lock. And and then when you find out that one dude is an F- ex-FBI agent, one dude is ex-CIA super spy, it's even more confounding how that... And then it was like, there were four attempts to break into this building. Five, this, five. No, no, it said four. It says it very clearly on the top. It said there were four attempts, and it said this was the second attempt. And I was like... Holy crap. Like that is really what just, I didn't, that I didn't know. I didn't know how completely incompetent these guys were. And for me, I was now just more fascinated, but appalled at the same time watching this. So it's all, it's like, it's like watching a train wreck. And, and then I like the thing they had at the top where they were like, these are based on true events. The names of the people have not been changed. The names of the innocent have not been changed because they were all found guilty. Yeah, I was like, that's pretty great. good. Yeah, the that was great. Been, that most that actually set me off. I mean, in a good way. And I thought, oh, this is going to be really good. I mean, I'm going to let Tom take over because he watched two full episodes. But uh, Libya, did you see two full, ep- full episodes? I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I just want to poke my head in here then real quickly because then I won't have much to say. Um, uh, I, you know, I'm very curious to hear what you guys have to say because maybe I'll continue, but I didn't quite make it to the end of the first episode. And um, I, it started off very promisingly. I, I will mirror or just echo. I won't even echo. I'll just say ditto what you said uh, about, um, you know, the events. It was before my time. Um, so, but I, it, the, we've all known, I've known enough about it, read enough about it and blah, 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 investigative articles and probably documentaries and this and that. So I thought, oh, this will be an interesting take. And then, uh, the mood, the tone they set, um, with the Chiron and the, you know, and the, this and the, that, I thought, oh, this is going to be fun. Um, but, and I get that they're bumbling, but like, um, it's almost to me, like it was subdued, not the bumbling, but the way that they did it, I thought they could have really, for me, uh, leaned into the bumbling and kind of, you know, let the comedy rise. I feel like it was a little too subdued, like as if I get that they're bumbling and that, you know, but I feel like that stylistically, uh, tonally, they could have done something to really lean into it and make it much more fun for me to watch their bumbling uh, mostly I was just appalled and surprised like you, Libya, you know what I mean? So it wasn't like a fun way to watch their bumbling. It was just more of a mouth gaping, frustrating kind of, Oh my God, you know, kind of a, a situation. So it, it was, I will say I, 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 I'm going to say ditto for you, what you're saying, yeah. because I felt all of that. And yeah. there was a point when yeah. I finished the first episode Yeah. Where I was like, am I going to watch the second episode? Yeah. yeah. And and I, 
I hit play. I waited. I did some other stuff, but I hit play on the second episode. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to say it's better, but okay. uh, <laughs> I did still, I overall, I did enjoy it. And I think I am going to keep watching, but Tom, go ahead. I wait, oh, wait, wait. First... I just want to say real quick though, real quick. Um, and I thought that real quick, uh, I thought the casting, I mean, I didn't know those people in real life either. Um, but the, I find it really interesting because in general, uh, um, uh, uh, Justin and um, Woody, Woody Housen, you know, are very dynamic, very interesting uh, actors, you know, you know, they're, they're, you know, so, so I don't know if that was like, you know, sort of like cross purposes or, or like, um, what's the word, um, paradoxical kind of casting, like, because the characters are so innately boring and bumbling, we'll hire these other, you know, actors who are so this way, and maybe they'll infuse it with some sort of a extra kind of thing. But it didn't work for me. I thought they were wrongly cast as well. Well, I was going to say they deliberately, they actually do look a little like I've seen the pictures. So. Yeah. But-, but anyway, but let, let Tom, let Tom speak. Let Tom speak. Go ahead. Yeah, I I watched the first episode back when it dropped and then watched the second episode when Livia indicated she wanted to talk about it. My problem with it is these guys are grade A sociopaths, especially Liddy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's like, oh, you should kill that guy. She's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go kill them. Right. Nuts. And so for me, it's kind of like, are we doing ourselves a disservice by making them seem like a bunch of buffoons when they could have easily gotten away with what they did. I don't know. It's just weird. Um, oh, by the well, way. I mean, yeah, you... they're sociopaths, but it, it but it also leads to not all sociopaths are smart. Yeah. <laughs> no? So. The, um, Go ahead. The, um, it's interesting that, uh, why can't I think of her name? Uh, Lannister. <laughs> Cersei Lannister. Oh, uh, Lena Headey. Lena Headey Lena, Lena is playing Hunt's wife, and then... Um, Judy Greer is playing Liddy's wife. And I, I really like, I'm especially a big Judy Greer fan. And it's weird because, I mean, Heedy and, and Greer are both character actors, but man, they're kind of icky too. <laughs> it's just well, like... no, I think Lena Headey character is, is great. I think she's the most identifiable of all the people. She seems like a real person. Um, and seems and, confident because we know that she used yeah, to be she, operative before she exactly to- and, and and the fact that he like puts when he's describing what she used to do he's like putting it in air quotes like she knows seven languages and I was like how do you air quote something that's a fact and so he was like trying to belittle her ability the whole time he was talking about all the stuff that she did during World War II and I was just like yeah, I hate this dude. You know, like, he's a terrible husband. Oh, by the um, way, the, the kid who plays their son, get ready to feel old, he was young Sean the first four seasons on Psych. That's why I recognize him. Yep. I recognize him, and I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on. Like, oh, my gosh, yeah. it's young Sean all grown up before they, before they changed out Sean's. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. And here's the thing that I think is really problematic. We're not getting to Watergate till episode three, and there's only five, which leads me to believe this was really a movie, and you stretched it into a five-part miniseries. So, I don't know. Oh, that's quite possible. Because, I mean, did I need to know that Liddy has this secret album collection of all of Hitler's speeches? To know that he was a bigger sociopath. Because there, there is that, like, when he introduces his wife and he talks about her lineage, he's like, I married her for a lineage. I was like, well, that's an odd statement. Until you find out about his Nazi collection. And, and then I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. Um, but I did, what I did like is they show there are levels of sociopaths. Because... The the uh Woody Harrelson's family were like, dude, that dude's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it's it. I think it would be a disservice to make it a comedy. Uh, so I'm okay with it not being straight up funny and fun. Yeah, but um, still, it's kind of painful to watch. I I mean, I think I felt like that after the first, like during the first episode, I wasn't sure where I was supposed to be, but I felt like it settled on the second episode and I was okay with it. 
So I don't know. I'll keep going and see how I, I feel. I think I will. It's not like it's not like there's a million shows on the air for me to you know Seriously. pick from at, at the moment. So I feel I, like I, there's I, definitely a million shows that you could look through. <laughs> that you could look through. I don't know about watch, on, but man. you could look through a million shows. I'll say I that. could sit around and just scroll, but I mean, I probably wouldn't hit play on them. But let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk Black Mirror, the first two episodes, and since it's an anthology. Uh, the episodes are not connected whatsoever. Uh, unique experience. Uh, we all, everybody but Tom, watched the first episode together. Uh, sorry, Tom. Uh, so we we had a joint hive mind-ish experience, I guess. I don't know. But I think we all enjoyed Joan is Awful. Uh, and just yeah, the meta, yeah, the meta-ness of it was like, wait, are we with yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, and Streamberry and how they were mocking Netflix. That was pretty that was like a pretty direct mock. Um, which they I, I thought was hard at Netflix because they used I know they had the bum bum and everything, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was funny because oh. it was sort of like in case you don't know what we're doing, ba bum. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was, it was like, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, that was pretty great. I mean, I had a that was a fun episode that just I think we were laughing at one point. Um and just the strangeness and the craziness of it. And once once she did the the really super gross act and got the real Selma Hayek, well the sort of real Selma Hayek the real-ish. involved. <laughs> the real ish. Level her, one her AI on anyway. Yeah. Yes. Uh, got her involved and and just it, the whole point of that was read your terms and conditions like that is the moral of the story of that episode because uh, holy crap that was crazy yeah no i crazy. i really enjoyed that episode i thought it was fun uh the thing is it, it took a while to get going but once it did and you know suddenly you're like on board with like oh that's what you're doing um, it really got to be fun and very funny. And particularly when they brought Selma Hayek in, you know, <laughs> I'm bleeping Selma Hayek. Um, it was, it was just, <laughs> well, that was, was great. Is, that was all good. Yeah. It was also cool that we were all like, man, if that happened to me, I'd be hiding in my closet. Like <laughs> we, I mean, we really could viscerally feel what was happening to her. And I think yeah. that's unique. That's a unique thing that they managed to get. It, yeah, it well, we both had the, the experience of watching yeah. Streamberry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean somebody like mocking your life more than yeah. anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I don't I don't know why. I think you know watching things in in groups you know can enhance an experience. So I'm not saying I would have liked it less um, if I had been sitting home alone. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, I, I think there was sort of like you, you you kind of alluded to the hive mind sort of a thing. I think it was extra unique because I don't know how to explain it. It's um, because it was so meta, you know, and we're all kind of watching, you know, Netflix watching this woman watch Streamberry, you know, <laughs> you know at, like we're all sitting around watching the show. I don't I don't know how to explain why it made it a little bit extra for me, but um uh, I thought that the concept, you know, the this terms and condition thing is a bit old. I mean, we've all, you know, that joke or that trope or that meme even, you know, about people not reading it and what kind of trouble you can get into it or just the fact that no one reads it. That's a little stale, but the way that they, they did it, um, it's, you know, from the casting and then, of course, using AI, uh, which is very, uh, you know, topical right now, um, so I thought that they did do it in a fresh way uh, and it was very visceral, you know, uh, and it was very kind of, like you said, it really put us in that position. Uh, we could see ourselves in there and it was, so it was very, um, it, it was a visceral experience. So that was very Benna. It was like very, we're, we're in it. We're in the AI. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, was so, like I was like, Oh God, you what know? level are we on? Yeah, what level exactly, are we on? Exactly. <laughs> so like, Who's playing me? And it better not be Mark Cho. <laughs> 
So, I mean, I really, I mean, I really went there. So it was really kind of mind bending and fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I, I did like it. I, I don't regularly watch Black Mirror, but it was a good reminder for me, especially because there been so many seasons and because it's an anthology. I thought it was a, it's a really good reminder for me to go back and start watching Black Mirror. I forgot that the show existed, uh, and I, I've always wanted to watch it. I don't know why I've never gotten around to it. So yeah, I thought it was a great um, premiere episode also. Uh, and and shout out to um, Annie, uh, the 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 lead actress. Annie Murphy. Uh, she, I'm sorry. Annie Murphy. Yeah, Annie Murphy. She um, she uh, you know she, I don't know that she played so much anything so so different than what we saw on Schitt's Creek, but she was brilliant on Schitt's Creek, and I was happy to see her in this. You know, and I thought she did a great job. And Selma Hayek is a force of nature. Yeah, so she's she's right. Uh, Tom, your thoughts, real quick. No, I really enjoyed it, although there, it reminded me of The Truman Show with a dash of uh, Nosedive from several seasons ago, and there was a segment of from Amazon Women on the Moon, an 80s comedy anthology film where a dude is watching TV and the Ebert and Cisco, uh, Cisco and Ebert knockoffs are reviewing his life, <laughs> and he has a heart attack as they're criticizing his life. <laughs> so... Okay. All right, so so you're no, saying not completely original, but all right. Yeah, I don't think there was a. It wasn't a, a unique concept. We've seen all these before, but I think what what made it work is the fact that they did it with humor. So yeah. it was it was fun and funny to watch. Correct. Yeah, I would agree. All right, Allison, you wanted to talk about the second episode real quick because I hit the eject button about forty minutes in <laughs> when I realized that this was about to become a horror film. Because when you watch Black Mirror, you yeah. don't know entirely what genre it's going to be. You you don't know. And so that's kind of how the show works. Um, but, you know, you have these documentarians come into this town. They find out this, this gruesome story that happened in this town. And like, oh, let's do a documentary about it. No, we shouldn't. It's forbidden. And then they do it anyway. And uh, then they break into the creepy house where all the murders happen. And I was like, okay. And it was that, that moment where they're, they're driving in the car and they're singing the most gruesome song they can come up with to make, to kind of, cause they're freaked out by being in that house. And so they're doing this to like inject humor to kind of get over how creepy they feel but the lyrics of the song are so disturbing. I was like, oh, they're about to be killed. Like, I just had this, like, I just knew in that moment that they were now have set themselves up to be the next victims some kind of way. And uh, then I hit stop. And I said, I am ejecting from this show now. Thank you very much. I have pulled the safety cord. And Allison, you kept watching. What happened? <laughs> Was I correct? Well, it's yes and no. And as they're driving, I thought they're going to get in a car wreck, and I won. Um, that's a, they're not looking to where they're going. It's an incredibly narrow street, and a truck comes the other way, and boom, and they end up. Nobody dies. They end up in the hospital. Um, the the kid who's the documentarian has the worst injury. So he's staying in the hospital and uh, he happens to be not very far from his friend's dad, who in an earlier scene fell down the stairs. So he, they're, they're like next to each other in the hospital together. And so he's the, the, the dad's the murderer, right? Well, it kind of, you know, it's, it's leading you sort of toward thinking maybe possibly, um, well, but in the meantime, yeah, because he's the one who put the cop on it in the story. But yeah, that's right. that was the obvious. Yeah. In the meantime, the friend who's who's basically okay goes home, and mom takes the girlfriend home to her place. And well, it's I, at I don't, this I point guess, that I, I realized exactly who. Well, actually, I I figured probably beforehand, but I settled on yes, of course it is the most innocent, seemingly. Oh, the you mom? Know, docile person in the entire show is, of course, the murderer. And they discover this by finding her collection of VCRs of this old uh, murder, which happens to be a real murder mystery that, that runs on British TV. Um, she's got all these VCRs of the series. But at the end of one of them is a video of uh, the antics 
that she and her late husband got up to in the basement of that house with all those people. And it's, they, you hear more what's going on than you see. But clearly it's graphic and it's horrible. And it shocks the girlfriend who, I mean, it, it, it sort of got, got on my nerves that she wasn't smart enough to just get out of that house immediately as soon as she saw this and maybe take her, her, the stuff with her as evidence. And instead she ends up staying long enough to, to let the mother twig that there is a problem. Um, She gets, she, she doesn't murder her directly. She chases after her, loses her out outside in, in the wilderness where the girlfriend gets herself killed by trying to cross a stream in the middle of the night in total darkness, falls, hits a rock and drowns. My main problem with it is that they almost ended in a clever way by having someone else do a documentary about the kid and his girlfriend trying to do a documentary. And you get, <laughs> it's, we are once again with Streamberry. Um, pre- Streamberry presents and you see this, this, you know, commercial for this perfect documentary for this thing. And I thought that that's the perfect way to end, except it doesn't. It just keeps going. And they, the whole ending was just a mess because they didn't know where to stop. Um, but let's move on. Um, next up, we're going to talk uh, Superman and Lois, the last two episodes. And Tom, why don't you lead us off? Superman and Lois. Oh, geez. Uh, big doings in, well, Smallville slash Metropolis slash Hobbs Bay. Um, basically, in the next to last episode... The uh, Matthias, who I had said is obviously the best. Okay, I already gave you credit for that a couple of podcasts ago. Not on the air. (laughs) Not on the air. That was that was off podcast. But he basically they um low uh, once once Ma once Pia has been captured by the government, um Lois and Superman basically use. Have, you know, play your cards right and we'll let your son visit your wife. And so they do, and then the son has secreted in this, uh, you know, alleged antidote in the cufflinks to give the mom. And so she escapes in a blaze of glory. And so that... Well, what trips me out is when it feels like almost like they can't figure out how to do her character. So when she's sick, She's sympathetic. They want you to like her. But the second, yeah, Pia. But the second she gets healthy, she becomes a supervillain and starts murdering everybody like an insane person. And I'm like, well, which one of those two? Because it feels like those two people cannot exist simultaneously. You know what I mean? There's actually a a Superman family set of characters that that would work better for. But I, I think the thing they're trying to establish is once she's got powered, it messes with her mind. Literally. Is that what they, cause I don't know if that was what they were saying. Well, is that what they were saying? In, in the second episode, when she, when, when the henchman goes to get more stuff and she vaporizes him. <laughs> that's, that was kind of funny. That, that's the moment when she realizes she is a menace to society. So and of course, there's the whole Sturmoon drawing with the, you know, the adult, the adults are like, how dare you? You're not to see him again. And, and, but I love him. Oh, yeah. So yeah. That was, the Romeo that was, and Juliet of it all. Yeah, yeah. The Romeo and Juliet of it all. Um, I, some of the behind the scenes, like the romantic couplings and I care not for. Um, but the main, what was kind of interesting is the fact that, um, that uh, Jordan saves somebody and initially Kyle thinks that Jonathan disobeyed him. And then he realizes there's another superpowered being in Smallville. And that ends with the episode at the end of the episode, uh, Clark, uh, this is uh, reveals himself, reveals himself. I am so over people copying an attitude. You kept this from me for so long. It's like, dude, just dude. It's not, it's my secret. It's not, it's, you don't yeah. have the right to it. Yeah. And Although I just, I was so over him. 
getting mad at his girlfriend because she knew before him and kept it a secret right after he just finished saying five seconds ago to Superman, I promise I'll keep your secret. And then he yells at her for keeping the secret. I'm like, He was mad at her more for belittling him. That's what he was upset with. Belittling him how? By keeping a secret? Well, no, because he mentioned that it seems like there's somebody else super, you know, super powered in town, and she's like, "That's crazy." I mean, she she gasped. Yeah, what was she supposed? She gasped. What was she supposed? She I'm she like, gaslit that him. was her. I there's, don't see the other. How could she else could she have dealt with that? She'd be like, "Oh I yeah, she's she, totally right." I think she could have done it better than what she did. The, but the real, I think he was being petty. I hated him in that entire. You don't like him to begin with. So. Well, that's true too. But I also thought that his point was dumb. Like you can't get mad at your girlfriend for keeping a secret that's not hers. So. But the real whatever. interesting upshot of these of this arc, and it seems like you know Pia's sacrifice uh, at the at the end when. Um, I think the real upshot of this is going to lead to Michael Cutlitz's appearance as Lex Luthor because right, they they're fr- going to have to Mannheim framed Luthor and put him in jail and Correct. Clark and Lois have been agonizing. It's like, Oh no, we put, I mean, Lex is awful, but <laughs> he didn't deserve to be framed. And the man, like totally mur- I'm sure he has murdered as many people oh, as he easily, got framed for easily. And the so man, both Mannheims told both Clark and Lois, not knowing their secrets, you know that Lex, you know, letting Lex out is a bigger problem. It's a mistake, yes. It's a <laughs> total it, mistake. Like, I don't even see the moral conflict. I have zero moral conflict of that issue. Well, like, it's gonna, oh my it's God, gonna lead to season four, so. Oh, I'm sure it is, but I think they're crazy. Like, they should not let him out. Yeah, Especially but if is- you know a criminal... If you know a criminal has murdered 50 people, but you can't pin him down, and then somebody frames him for murdering five people, okay, I'm not going to let him out because he happened to not have murdered those particular five you people. you Superman is the ultimate Boy Scout, and that's not going to sit well with him. And Mrs. Uh, no. Mrs. Superman is also married to the ultimate Boy Scout, so, I nope. mean, it makes sense. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> I feel like they need to modernize them because that oh, feels very fifties. No. Shut uh, your mouth. No. Nope. Nope. Greater good, man, for the greater good. That's all. All right, let's move on. That's how we uh, get the Snyderverse. <laughs> well, not every. I, okay, I generally do not like the Snyderverse, but I have always liked Superman in the Snyderverse. So. Well, because Henry Cavill is awesome. Let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk Silo, Episode 7 and 8. And uh, Episode 7, who just told me what Episode 7 was about? I forgot. Oh, it's about uh, getting the break, breaking the woman out of the, uh, stopping her on the meds. So she can oh, have- right, because she's, she's being drugged so that she can't talk about the secret organization that's been around since the beginning of the Silo to keep the knowledge alive that the Silo has been trying to suppress. So they're called the flame keepers. flame keepers. Yes. And and she finds out that her mom was a flame keeper. And uh and they find is that when yeah, the end of the episode before, that's when they find that book. And it's got all these images from South Carolina, I wanna say. And it's like a tourist book, it's got all these great images and everything. And she's like, You're the last flame keeper, you have to keep it safe. Um so, Tom, what did you think? No, I thought they were a good pair of episodes. And what's interesting is because he, the, the daddy do pro- protest too much, methinks, I thought for sure that Ian Glenn had narked on his wife. And then, I did too. That was really good because the guy looks over at him and he nods at that dude like, oh, yeah, she's telling oh, yeah. the truth. <clears throat> yeah, it did really look like that. But the, but the episodes back to back together – when we find out that uh, mom basically developed a microscope, a magnifying device, and was using it to fix physical defects, like a hole in the heart. And her test patient was a bunny rabbit. And then that's what killed their son. And so she was motivated. This is where I think the silos rules are whack because 
it's not a what do they call it not an artifact what do they call it a relic relic a relic it's yes, not it's a, a relic it's an invention and they're like oh it's a relic it's like dude no no dude. but they they tell you very specifically one of the rules is you cannot make a device that will allow you to see something smaller than the human eye that's that and you cannot make an elevator that'll allow you to go up and down the silo yeah because uh, you that way you can't throw people over the rail <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, but wait, why can't you? I forgot. Why can't you build an This elevator? is the rules. They have they rules. have the rules. arbitrary. They haven't they haven't said why the rules are the way they are. Yes, oh, but God. one of the rules is you cannot have an elevator and you cannot have a, a device that'll allow you to magnify something greater than the eye can see. But we don't yeah, know and why. As we've seen from Billings, um they treat their rule book sort of like a bible. There is all right. it's it's almost a religious devotion. Right. But but we don't know right. why. Nope, no. Not yet. Okay. Nope, not yet. I'm assuming it has something to do with why the rebellion happened before and the fact that they don't tell anybody why that rebellion happened at all is crazy. Oh, and then I liked her being slick getting Sims arrested, but then yeah, that doesn't turn out well. Well, you her. knew that was going to backfire on her. Well, of course it was going to backfire because she has no power, no real you know, and anybody for a second, I have to give Tim Robbins credit because at I first know. I was like, "Oh wait, is he, he on our side?" Oh, no, we knew. He no, was we evil. knew. Yeah, we knew he was evil. But <laughs> I give him credit that for about five minutes, he had me going for about five minutes. I was like, "Oh wait, nope. is he?" And then, yeah, nope. Well, <laughs> I, I like his performance. I mean, I, one of the the reasons I'm really glad that they cast Tim Robbins in this is because he didn't play it like a mustache twirling villain. Oh, not he, at all. He made no. you think that he sounded he sounded very earnest and honest about you know most of what he was saying, and I think I think on on another level he wasn't doing this for personal power. He was doing this because this is his job as defined by whatever rules they go by. So I, you know, he, re I think he really but genuinely thinks th he is doing what he's doing to secure well, the future of the silo. Right. And I think he sees like he's, once we found out he's actually the one in charge, I think he knows more information than everybody oh, he clearly else. Does. Oh, sure yeah. He does. yeah. So he knows why all these rules are in place and the rest of us don't. And I'm just like, dude, just tell people like, then you won't have all these rebellions. Um, and but yeah, it's. Common is just scary in this role. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, but a good scary. I like I like how scary he is. It was interesting how the uh, the female uh, scientist in her moment of lucidity was trying to bargain with him, and he used that as leverage too, saying, "I yep. helped you and your wife have a kid." <laughs> yes, you did. Well, He's five now. <laughs> but what's crazy is she gave in the episode before she that the woman that's in the hospital. She gives our main character, Rebecca Ferguson, this really inspirational speech about oh, yeah. how she has to be strong and blah, blah, blah. She folds in five minutes. Like a cheap taco. <laughs> I was like, what? Come on. You gave her this whole speech about how she has to carry the flame for her mother and do all the blah, 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 blah. And he was like, I need good drugs. And she's like, all right, <laughs> give me the good drugs. <laughs> wow. That was not cool. And how insidious of it was uh, Tim Robbins is like, did I hear you just say you wanted to go outside? <laughs> oh, my God. That was... And Cobb like, like, I heard it. <laughs> <laughs> that was so crazy because you can imagine, like, my thing is, what if you're like, dude, I did not say that at all. Like, I feel like someone could legit just murder you if you have two people that agree to murder you. Well, I think that's the idea. It's you know well, yeah. they can they can do that, and that's why he's doing that. But um, I'm I'm curious how they're going to resolve this because they they've been killing off so many characters in this, <laughs> and now the person who we thought was the the star of this show took a leap off the the uh, the stairway, and I'm curious to see if she actually is going to survive this or not, because well, they, they, they do not hesitate to kill people on this show. Even though we've had two previous number ones on the call sheet, yeah. she has a producer title. So that gives me some mm. hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's at least been in more episodes than everybody this else. There's that. <laughs> yeah. But that flying leap, I was like, <gasps> <laughs> I mean, unless she grows wings, I don't know how she's going. Made to out. It's like, really dudes. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's what you call a cliffhanger. Like that is the literal definition, but I'm giving Silo a thumbs up. That's definitely oh, one yeah. of the better shows this yeah. week. All right, let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the end of The Last Thing He Told Me. And uh, I have to give, I have actually seen the finale of this show twice. Not necessarily, you know, on purpose, but I saw it you twice. because I be there with the stars of the show. Rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still, the point is, I saw it once on my television and I saw it once on a very big screen. And it really, because I was wondering why they picked this one, you know, of all the episodes, why did they pick the finale for their, for your consideration thing? And I was like, oh, this episode is really good. Because it's got a lot. It's got that moment where uh, Jennifer Garner's character really takes agency and ownership of what's going on. And starts to she decides she's going to make a deal. And she goes head on, face to face, with this ruthless gangster guy. And Played by David Morse. Who, who always, he either plays a cop or he plays a bad guy. Bad that, guy. That's yep. it. You, those are the only two options you have for him. He was a doctor um, in St. Elsewhere. Oh, that was a long many, time Many, many moons ago. I was like, I don't even remember that. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's pretty much him. And he's really good at being intimidating and being scary. He's great at that. So I genuinely was worried about Jennifer Garner's life in that meeting. And he's like, what do you have to trade? You don't have anything. And that whole conversation was fantastic. It's it's one of those examples of you put two really good actors in a room and it doesn't matter if no action happens because the two actors really play off each other and they just build and build and build the tension and the emotion in a way that's amazing. And that scene was by far like the best scene. Like that was that was really, really good. All right, somebody else talk. I was surprised that once she, I don't want to say it was anticlimactic because it made sense, but she goes into the lion's den and she says, here's what I want to do. And I mean, she had some, she showed some serious cojones to do that, but she basically cuts the deal that guarantees not only her safety, but her stepdaughter's safety. But and, it also guarantees that she will never see her husband again. Yeah, but you know, cons- considering he wasn't who he said he was, I mean, and yes, we know Nicholas Costa Waldau is hot because you got to see him up close. That was not the point. <laughs> That's not the point but, of this discussion. But he wasn't who he said he was. No. I mean, the, the person she fell in love with was a fabrication. So, what's fascinating about the structure of this mini of this limited series and the book before it, and what fascinated Jennifer Garner about taking this role, is it's really about this stepmom bonding with her stepdaughter and becoming kind of a, a lioness to protect her cup. And aside from the early, you know, the kid being a brat in the early episodes before she realizes, you know, stepmom's got your best interest at heart, so be nice to her. But I think it's really kind of interesting because the last thing he told me literally is protect her, and she does at the expense right. of everything else, including her marriage, her relationship. Yeah. So well, it's, it's, I, I don't think, and to be fair, I don't think that there was a deal she could have possibly made that would have included the safety of her husband. Oh, oh not at all. I mean, no. So you know, she no, didn't have a choice he, he, there. Yeah, seriously. But it was about sacrifice. She yes. was willing to sacrifice because the choice was she could have tried to go on the run with her husband and, and the daughter. They could have tried to do that, but it would have been dangerous and they would have had to keep looking over their shoulders. Or she could sacrifice her husband and protect the daughter. So, Allison, your thoughts about the end, how it all worked out? Uh, yeah, well, that was that was pretty much, you know, my my feelings was that she she made a deal with the devil and it was really the only thing she could do because as you said the only other choice was first of all she doesn't even really know where her husband is at this point but if they Correct. even were able to to you know manage to find a way to get together they have all these these different mobsters uh including you know his his ex-in-laws 
looking looking for him and the slightest wrong move i mean all it took was was working for a company whose uh boss was on the take and they ended up on the news that way so all it takes is one one slip up and they can find you and they're even more motivated now to to find him than before so i don't think that she really was in a position where she could have had an alternate choice but she the way she handled well, well she could have gone into Witsack, you know yeah well but you know i mean i don't i don't think that she trusted that they were really going to be able to keep her yeah safe and in order to do that she would have had to give up her own future as as an artist she would have had to trade away her uh her stepdaughter's future um they would have had to take on new identities and and never make anything of their lives so in order to preserve a future for themselves um this, this is the this is the deal that she had to go with otherwise no, they would I, have, I, I agree know, could, i agree that's what made yeah. the episode so powerful yeah yeah absolutely all right well let's wrap that up i think that 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 was a very satisfying show for me i think yes i ended up liking the whole like in on balance, I thought it it was like seven episodes, and it felt like it was worth it to me. And I'm glad they didn't try to stretch it out to ten. <laughs> yeah, yes. it was paced very well. All right. Uh, oh, I was going to tell one story I did hear because uh, Casualdo was talking about his that beard that he wears in the last scene. Um, they put it on him to test it out, and he wanted to see if it if it worked, if people would recognize him. So they did the fitting like weeks before that scene. So he wasn't supposed to be on set. So uh, in between takes, he goes and sits next to Jennifer Garner. And it takes her forever to recognize him. <laughs> and it actually it actually scared the crap out of her when she finally did. Because he, he like finally, because she wasn't noticing him at all. And so he actually had to say something and she turned and looked at him and screamed. <laughs> that's awesome. So that's your little inside story. And he's like, oh, I guess the beard works. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk The Diplomat. And we are so, all of us I know have finished this, but we're going to talk three and four because I want to give this show the detail that it deserves because this show I, th- I really liked. So Tom, help me out. What are three and four? Well, episode three has the awesome fight in it. Because <laughs> oh. Carrie Russell ahead. finds out what Rufus Sewell's been doing, and they go off in the bushes, and she beats the crap out of him. That is the Just best. Deservedly scene. so. <laughs> and I love the, the buy talk with the Secret Service guys being like, uh, should we stop this? Like, oh, no. uh, we're supposed to protect her, not him. <laughs> And he comes out like later. He has like a black eye, and everything. it's so good. It's so good. And she goes. But, and then back the other to... guy, though. But then the other guy is like, after he goes, well, she's our detail, and he's like, yeah, but he's not doing very well. And so they're like, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, are you sure he's not doing and, and, very well? So, I mean, and, and I love Michael what... McKeon playing okay. this like hybrid of Biden and Trump, where. He can be, you know, kind of a composite of both of them. But he just takes a look at her. He's like, straight yourself out. That's actually. Oh, right. When she comes. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Yusin. Yeah, no, that's actually a a good observation. I couldn't figure out. I mean, there was obviously a a nod to Biden because of his age, you know, but he didn't have the comportment of a Biden. So I kind of didn't know what they were going for, you know, Um, but that's actually a good read on that. Um, Tom, I would have to agree with you. I here's the thing about uh, that 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 moves perfectly into what I was going to say is I have got to wonder, guys. Now I you know the situation is different. She's an ambassador as opposed to a Secretary of State. Wink, wink. Um, but I have to wonder how much of this show uh, has been informed by. Clinton, you know what I mean? like, <laughs> like real story Clintons though. Like that you, you got to know that there was a fight in a bush with a branch somewhere in the <laughs> history. You know that that's true. I've heard stories of them walking through the woods, you know, a lot while you know, hand in hand, like real stories, right? We've heard the stories and you've got to think that they go out there so they can beat the living shit out of each other so that no one else can see. 
Um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, the husband is, and, and Clinton is, I mean, when he wasn't president, but he was, you know, the wife of the Secretary of State, you know, you, you know, you've got to, we all know how charismatic is he, he is and what connections he has and all of that kind of stuff. So I have to believe, and I'm going to believe that um, a lot of this is probably, um, uh, you know, in, infused and inspired by, and certainly probably pl- pl- plucked straight from real stories. Um, the thing that I like really like about the show is I don't want to compare it to negatively, so I won't. Um, but you know, I think we mentioned that it's or, or Allison, I think, may have said it's, it comes off sort of as like a scandal and and West Wing. And the thing is, the thing I loved about the West Wing was the direction of it the 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 style of it we don't see that often anymore and it's very stylistic that you know handheld run around behind the over the shoulder and everything is so frenetic and you are just thrown in it and it was amazing i mean it was the best way uh and the only way honestly to truly get a sense of what that kind of you know uh what that energy is like and how how that how that exists this tries to do the same in this in this episode where it's the powwow between the, the president and the prime minister. Um, and, you know, and there's a lot of running around and lots of people in uh, coming in and off screen and lots of, you know, people hands in the, you know, in the pot and this and that it doesn't have that same energy. And at first when I was watching it, I was not disappointed. Isn't the right word, but I was kind of sort of comparing it to the West wing and kind of being like, well, it doesn't really give me that same sort of energy, but clear. I mean, it's not the same show, obviously. Um, it has its own, you know, up, you know, its own finer points, you know, top and bottom. And the thing is, I really like, um, it's definitely her show, obviously. It's not, it's not as, it's not as much a group show. Uh, so it's her show. And she, I find her a little bit, I, at first I found her a little annoying. Like it was a little trying for me to to believe that she was just like, she never brushes her own hair. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, come on, she's an adult. Like, you know what I mean? Like, did she really let herself walk out of the house like that? Um, or go to meetings like that. So I thought that we're kind of pushing that a little bit too hard, but the fact is she's clearly, um, a complex character. She's very talented, uh, at what she does. She's very skilled um, she is still in love with her husband. The relationship that they, they show, I think, again, uh, if if it does truly sort of mirror the complexity of a, a, the Clintons, of how she does truly care about her husband, and he truly is, and you know, so infuriating. Um, but they it, they have such a symbiotic relationship. So I like that the show does a really wonderful job of showing that, that their relationship. And then they do a really good, I think, I don't know how it is to be, you know, a, a diplomat, but I do get that insider's feel just like we did with West Wing about, you know, what really happens behind closed doors. And then I'll, I'll just move on really quickly to episode um, uh, four, and then you guys can s- circle back um, because that leads me to the next episode, which is, wow. I mean, I want to believe that that is, I can't believe as a diplomat, Although we're learning through the show that as an ambassador, sorry, that, um, you know, depending upon whether you're just the shiny kind of shake hands, wear pretty dresses, throw a party diplomat, or you can be or are, uh, you know, a diplomat like she is, um, sneaking behind, you know, um, sneaking in and out of secret doors and having secret meetings and, you know, 20 people on the on the phone until midnight, I mean, through all throughout the night and all of that stuff. I mean, that's kind of crazy. I mean, I believe all of that. Um, so I love that the show showed us that in episode um, uh, four, uh, uh, 104 uh, with all the spy craft involved. And lastly, the um, I love the relationship between her and the foreign uh, secretary, or I think, right? Is that, that is that his title? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's clearly a good looking man. They, dr- they know how to dress him. Um, and, um, I believe the tension between them, except until ironically that scene where he's like kind of sort of touching her and, you know, brushing what, wiping her, her clothing dry kind of thing. I, I thought that was a miss. I was sort of like, well, that was just weirdly awkward. Um, and not in a good way, but, but anyway, I think there's so much to like about the show. Uh, you know, so much to like about the show. I think it's fun. It's informative. It's well acted. It's well shot. Somebody else talk. Allison, you're up. Um, I know I'm really, I'm really enjoying the show and I, I do think it's incredibly smartly written. 
Uh, I was oh, but I was gonna say, can you talk specifically about the secret meeting with the tea? Oh yeah, I thought that was a, a fabulous scene. Actually, I, I you know, Euston was saying that the spycraft involved was was fascinating to watch. One of the things that I thought was great about it was that I mean, I, as they started showing the the ambassador like getting hot under the collar and and the first thing i thought is oh my god he's been poisoned he's been poisoned yeah and and uh you know i thought well this is just going to turn into just a huge disaster and everyone's going to come running in and things are going to look terrible and it's going to you know threaten a war and instead she handles it in this incredibly professional smart way by pulling uh, the the secretary aside and saying he cannot die here He's just, yes. whatever you do, have them not call it in this room, have them take him out on a stretcher, and he can die later at the hospital. And it turns, yep. it, it, that's exactly what they end up doing. And it ter turns out they, they were able to get him to linger for a while after all. And, um, and so she avoids this international incident and the, the look that they were the ones to, to poison this guy. It turns out he actually wasn't poisoned at all. But I, I just thought that that is smart. That is how you have smart characters behave. They don't run around like chickens with their heads, you know, cut off. <laughs> they, they don't get hysterical at the slightest thing or allow little, little things to undermine them. They find ways around it. And, and so that's what I love about her character and the way she's written. She is totally professional and she knows how to deal with a crisis. I mean, that is actually her forte. She's not the, the ambassador who sits around and has tea parties and wears fun dresses and collects art and all the rest of it. She is the one you send in on the front lines in a war zone. And she acted like it. And, and they, they yeah. consistently have her make smart decisions. So I loved that scene. I thought that it was so It's so refreshing to have smart people doing smart stuff on shows like this. Yes. Exactly. Because we exactly. see so much of the opposite. It's like, really, dude? Come on. Mm -hmm. Well, let's move on. I want to say thumbs up. We're still loving Dipl The Diplomat. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the series season two premiere of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And the one thing I will say is that uh, Pike is probably Pike and Uhura are my favorite two characters, and neither of them were showcased in this premiere, so it already lost a point because of that. Uh, I will say that the Doctor is now moving up to probably number three on my list because he was awesome in this episode. Um, I liked how they dealt with his PTSD in this episode and uh -huh. that he's always ready and equipped for an emergency with his super drugs that make him Superman of some sort, maybe a super soldier, maybe he's Captain America. I'm not sure, but it gives him superpowers. Um, and he, he's like, yeah, I never leave home without it. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, he proved to be very awesome in this episode. So I will delve on that part uh, about how much I liked him and uh, Nurse Ran Nurse Ran Chapel, Chapel. Not Chapel. Nurse Ra Ratchet. She Ran. is something was... else entirely. No, I didn't say Ratchet. I said Rand, but that's a different. Yeoman Rand's Yeoman. a different person. Yeah, that's a different person. She's blonde. Give me a minute. Uh, but yes, Chapel, sorry. Um, so I like their interaction. I like their teamwork. And uh, who's the one that they went to rescue? What's her name? Um, oh, uh, son. Yeah. Uh, son? Uh, Tom, Tom got it right. It's Son. It's Dunia Song, right? Yeah. So I like her character as well. I think she's pretty interesting. And uh, I'm going to leave it at that because I'm sure somebody else will bash on Spock. And I'll let you guys do that. <laughs> well, so, I, I, I'll take I, over those services, actually. Uh, because that was the, that's the, you know, I've said before, I, I, do not like his take on Spock. I don't think he's a particularly good actor. So featuring him as the lead in, in this episode, you know, I mean, maybe I could have taken it as the second episode of the season, but bringing it right in and, and kicking Pike out, you know, to, to, to be in the sidelines somewhere and featuring the Spock I do not like as, as number one was, was not my idea of a good time. It really wasn't. So it, like, like you said, that it, Mark's points off for for me there. Um, I did appreciate that they went back mercifully to to the the 
old Klingons, or at least the the next gen Klingons, um, and and got rid of the Discovery ones because I could never stand them. Um, I do think it's still canonically weird that they're hanging out with Klingons even on this weird planet because uh, they're really not supposed to have a great idea of what the Klingons are supposed to look like at this time. Um, but you know, all of that aside, it was it was overall if you if you don't pay attention to that. Uh, and concentrate on the stuff that they were doing on the planet. All of that was fun. I did like Mbenga more than I've ever liked him before on the show yes, uh, in this episode. Absolutely. And I think I think they were mentioning too in in the after show that uh, the actor has all these mad skills uh, as as a uh, as a fighter and and all of this um, jujitsu, you know, I think, they fighting said. and yep. jujitsu and. And all of that, and then I'm thinking, why did you take so long to actually feature these? Uh, but I'm glad that they did, and I hope that this marks a, a different direction for the character, because really they let him do, he just kind of meandered around and, and was wasted last year. He, he, worried, he worried a lot about his daughter his who daughter. was frozen. That was pretty much yeah. it, and it didn't, it well, didn't somehow make him more interesting to me. I don't know. I, 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 didn't, I didn't really care for him as a character one way or the other last year and this episode made me think "Ooh, he's potentially really interesting i kind of like this so I'm, I'm hoping we do more of this you know super soldier or ex-super soldier with ptsd thing uh because i think this this works and this makes him much more interesting as a character all of that and the dynamics between him and chapel because obviously they they uh were imprisoned together at one point and escaped and uh, all, all of that stuff was was great and worked for me. Tom, I understand why they put the um, the number one on trial storyline, save that for episode two, so they could start with the big action episode. I'm still not convinced it was the the right idea. Yeah, I'm with usually, you, Tom. I mean, what it tells me most is that Anson Mount is secure being number one on the call sheet that he didn't object to being only in one, you know, a couple of micro scenes at the beginning and let the kids have their fun action oriented show. Um, so I got, I have always been a Carol Kane fan. And so I think it's, she brings such an interesting energy to the crew. It'll be interested to see how they integrate her once she becomes the new, uh, chief engineer. So um, I, I'm either gonna love her or hate her. One that of those was two. literally gonna be my. That's the vibe I get. Be my yeah. statement. I mean, I at first I thought it was stunt casting, um, and I wasn't sure. You know, I thought it was great stunt casting as far as stunt casting is concerned. But once it became clear to me that she was gonna stay, which was relatively soon. You know what I mean? I thought you know. Uh, it didn't take me the whole episode, but I thought, oh, okay, she's staying. And I'm like, I wonder how this is going to, they're going to integrate that in terms of tone. You know what I mean? Because she's a very distinct actor. Uh, and even her comedy and her timing is very distinct. And so I'm a little holding my breath on that about whether that's actually going to work or not. Um, and whether or not I'm going to like it. I mean, I loved it, her showing up in the episode and I thought she did a great job. Um, you know, I don't know much about her species, but, um, you know, it, it, it's fine. You know, uh, I, you know, I'm mixed on the, the season premiere. I, I thought that I love first season so much. So there is that high level of anticipation and I have to uh, back you up, Tom. I have to agree with you that, you know, it was sort of like a very conscious decision to kind of let's, let's blow this premiere open with the action stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and then, but unfortunately that means that, you know, and, and I, I don't dislike Spock as much as Allison clearly does. Um, but, uh, I agree. I don't think he's their strongest foot, toe, whatever. So they shouldn't Not lead with his foot. You know, they shouldn't lead with that. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's leave that. The, the, Somebody the else's foot. Alone. <laughs> yeah. They should not lead with his foot. Anyone else's foot is fine. Not yes. his. <laughs> so, so, you know, I think, um. So to have him be him, you know, it, I mean, it, the action revolved around him, you know, so, so it, to me, I, yeah, I don't think I would have minded if they had just kind of eased into it. I don't think I need a big action pack, you know, opener. 
uh, for me. That wasn't something that was necessary for me to get re-excited about season two or to get me excited. I was already excited about season two, so I think it was unnecessary and probably didn't serve them as well. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't mind Spock as much as um, uh, Allison does. I, 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 yeah, I don't think he's a great Spock, but I don't think he's ruining anything for me, at least not throughout the season. You know, we'll see how how it goes. Um, as far as the episode, though, I thought it was a, I mean, I thought the beats and like it was a little tropey with the like, drink the blood wine and now we'll like you, you know, and the, you know, and the drink, just a, like we got two drinking scenes, you know, with the Klingons. Clearly, that's all they do is you just win them over with blood wine, apparently, or they're whatever. They're space Vikings now. Yeah, they're space. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? So I thought that was a little oversimplified and like, you know, there's the show is not as nuanced or as complicated and that's okay you know what i mean um i'm just a i'm a teeny tiny bit worried is way too strong of a word but i am a little concerned about season two um i hope it's a, that it's not a sophomore slump um you know I, I i've grown to like most of the characters and i won't spend any extra time talking about um how much i liked what they did with the doctor because i just i did everything everyone said um, I hope they continue that. I hope it's not just a one-off. Um, but I actually liked him very much first season. I thought his acting was great. Um, you know, it was very uh, uh, nuanced and subtle and, and felt very real. Um, but it was boring, the stuff that he was kind of doing. You know what I mean? Um, so I get it. But I don't want him to be completely changed into just some sort of action hero either. So, I mean, I enjoyed the season of uh, the opener, but but with a little bit of concern. Well, I'm going to give it back to Tom because we interrupted him. Oh, sorry. I um, I think it was interesting. What I appreciated about it is when they they planned, you know, they, they've got this BS plan to steal the Enterprise that she totally sees through and she, <laughs> and she calls them on it. Yeah. And then we find out that she's been teaching and that her species has a long lifespan. It's like... I'm bored teaching. This ship is fun. <laughs> Get me out of the classroom. So I, I think, she, I think she'll bring an interesting energy to it. I love the fact she's in her seventies, and I'm digging the fact that both uh, Star Wars and Star Trek are giving these veteran older actors meaty roles to play when almost everybody else would be like, "You seriously want me for this part?" She's 70, by the way. We, we looked it yeah. up. That's, that's what Tom just said. I, I, no, just said I know. He was saying she's in her 70s. She just got there. <laughs> she just landed. But, um, you know, and there'll be plenty of time for uh, Libya to lament the return of Paul Wesley as James T. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I look forward to having all the... I look forward to having all the core crew on the ship instead of separate. I, I think it's always dicey when you separate them for more than one episode because you 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 mix you mix, you mess up the character dynamics and there's reasons a show like this has clear character dynamics. By the way, I think my the, the most touching moment for me was the dedication to Nichelle Nichols at the end of the yes. episode. Yes. Oh, yes, that was all really the beautiful. Feels. Yeah, and well all written. Right. On that note, let's wrap that up. I think we're saying overall thumbs up-ish. Up-ish. Uh, sure. Not the strongest opener they could have had, but overall, I mean, it was it was enjoyable. Yeah. I'm giving it a, I said ish. That was what yeah. the ish was for. <laughs> All right. Um, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can leave them at tvcampfire.com. Follow us on Twitter on Facebook. You can listen to us on sci-fi.radio. Uh, six Degrees of Geek and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.